0: Welcome to the frontier of the metaverse, where we learn from high quality entrepreneurs, artists, and changemakers shaping the future of the metaverse. Here we discuss how to level up, how to get started, and how to get ahead of the opportunity. I'm your host, Howard Kingston. This episode is with Ariel Wengroff from Ledger. Now, one really exciting part of Web3 is having more control over your money and your finances without need for a bank. However, with great power comes great responsibility and that responsibility in Web3 is to take security seriously. There are bad actors out there and hacks really do happen. That's why I wanted to invite Ariel from Ledger, which is one of Web3's leading wallets onto the show. We're going to talk all things security, as well as give really practical examples of how you can protect yourself from getting hacked or getting wrecked, as they say in the industry. So this is a really important foundational episode I highly encourage everyone listens to. In this episode, we're going to talk about three things. One, the most common hacks that happen and how you can protect yourself against them. Two, the difference between what a hot wallet is and a cold wallet. And I share personally what I use for security. And then three, Ledger has recently launched something called Ledger Marketplace, a really exciting new platform. And we dive into that as well as what NFT drops will be coming up on that platform. And with that, let's get to the show. Ariel, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, Ariel, we're going to be diving into all things security, such an important topic about everything to do with Web3. But before we do, I'd just love to know do you remember the moment when you yourself personally got hooked on this area of Web3, NFTs,
1: all this world? I really do. It was over a year ago, probably a year and a half ago, two years ago, and I was learning about crypto from the stance of IP changes for artists. I was advising a company called Liontree and I was thinking about this idea of the individual going public and how can we create different systems for artists that don't wanna be strapped into previous iterations where they don't actually control the music that they create or they don't get to keep royalties on the art that they have to rely on a gallerist to sell and they're sort of at these whims of things that feel silly because you know the way the internet exists today, segmentation is for the creator. Like the creator economy prefaced so much of what's happening with communities today in Web3. And I started to learn about blockchain technology in response to that and thought, this makes so much sense to me. Like This could really change everything. And how do I get as involved as possible as quickly as possible?
0: Do you remember what blogs you were reading or was there like a a moment where sparks went off in your mind?
1: I remember that Mirror hadn't started yet. And as soon as Mirror started, I was like, This is the version of what Patreon and what Substack are trying to do and can't. And there was inherent participation that felt like it was getting at what a real community building could be versus what you could say you have a community on Instagram, but no one knows what 537 user is, right? So there's really that big difference. But it was actually a call I had with other media CEOs where I heard them talking and I remember saying on the call, listen, I'm new to this but I'm going to be the weirdo on the call that just says, what's the most radical thing that we could try to do here? And I realized like, oh, it's so much easier to do the thing we know how to do than the harder thing. And so then I really started to get into the research, but, you know, Sam Lesson does so much in this space as well. And I was really lucky to have access to great thinkers and just kind of dive into it.
0: Those people listening, that's mirror.xyz. It's a Web3 alternative to Medium. Have I got that right?
1: Yes. Great description.
0: And Sam Lesson, I just don't know. Sam Lesson, is that a person?
1: Sam Lesson is a person. He's a contributor at the information and he was previously at Facebook, but years ago, years and years ago, like hasn't been there in ages and is really, really smart on thinking through what does it mean long term for. Individuals within these sorts of new structures, same as Ariel Borkov, who started Lion Tree.
0: I'll definitely check him out. Thank you. So I'm going to bring us off to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, if you don't mind. Just bear with me. And it's about 11 o'clock at night, maybe a bit later, maybe midnight. And I remember it was around the time when moonbirds were about to do their mint. And I was much fresher in the nft space at that point and i remember sitting on my sofa it was with my wife and we were watching some tv and i had some eth lined up in my minting account because i was going to mint a moonbird and i got a notification on my phone some instagram account had tagged me about a uh, moonbird nft mint And I was like, oh, I didn't realize Moonbirds were on Instagram. And there I went and I went onto some website, which looked exactly like the Moonbirds website. And I clicked mint with my minting wallet. And I will just say one of the most fortunate moments I had was that I had two-factor authentication on my wallet and it didn't go through. And I'm sharing this story because this was a really personal example of how close I was to getting hacked for about, you know, it was close to $10,000. And at that point in my own personal journey, of course, it would have been devastating to lose the money, but also knocked my confidence in, you know, kind of onboarding myself into this world of Web3. Now, I was so fortunate it didn't go through. I remember not really not sleeping that night because just the gravity of how close I was to something bad happening. And that's why I really wanted to have you on the show, because this topic of security is just so important. Now, the way I look at security is it's almost inevitable. Most of us may get hacked at some point. So how do we minimize it rather than going into it thinking, oh, that'll never happen to me because these Web3 versions of hackers are way more advanced than those dodgy emails that you got from a prince, you know, from far on land. So that's why I really wanted to have you on the show From your perspective, why do you think Web3 security is so important from somebody who might be listening and maybe they haven't bought their first NFT yet or they're just getting into this world?
1: Well, I would say first, the beginning of your story reminds me of kind of the calm story that I want every night before bed. I felt like I was going into this nice meditative state. And then you give the thing that happens to so many people. I mean, it's so unfortunate, I think. And because I work at Ledger, most of the stories I hear every day are from people who have been scammed. They've been hacked. They've made a human error and they don't know and hope that they can walk it back. Or they've made a human error and now they want to get a ledger and, you know, we want to be there before that situation happens. You know, billions of dollars were scammed in the last year for NFTs alone and not even just thinking about the rest of blockchain. And so I would say security is essential because security for Web3 is actually just providing value and protection to the time we spend online. Like, let's think about the fact that 20 years ago, I believe it was, maybe a little longer, the iPod was invented. And before that, you know, we were, we were playing around with the idea of the internet, right? Like I remember many people saying, I, I don't think I'll ever need an email address. And fast forward, you know, to all of this time, we live and breathe our entire world on the internet. Most kids didn't think, oh, I'll have a job on the internet one day. But that's where we're at. And so as we're in this introductory period for Web3, it makes sense that you know, financial services and other experiences would be connected through blockchain technology. Because when you're using the internet, you're in a borderless world. I'm not sitting here in Paris, France. You're not sitting wherever you are. We're actually looking at each other and we're having a conversation. And that location is irrelevant. And so now we need a new system to provide protection to our value. And with Ledger, what we do is we provide that through our hardware device and then our combined Ledger Live companion app, because we know that over time, it's not just going to be Bitcoin. It's not just Ethereum. It's not just NFTs, which is the biggest use case right now. It's actually eventually going to be your digital passport. It's going to be your medical records. It's going to be how you verify your identity for applying for you know, a housing loan or changing location residence. And so we really have to build the habit now that what you sign on to online and give away is something that should be yours, and you should know that you're going to protect it long term.
0: Absolutely. This world of Metaverse Web3 is so exciting in so many ways. You know, with everything, there comes two sides to it, doesn't it? And at one side, it's so exciting that there is decentralized finance and we can become bankless and all the advantages to that. I suppose the flip of that is that the security that banks have, we have to understand, take on board a little bit more of that ourselves, don't we?
1: Yeah, we have more self-custody, which really means you have more personal responsibility over those decentralized assets. But it's the trade-off for where we are right now. And I would also remind that if you're new to the space you're very early. It's very honest that most people aren't early adopters. And so people like you and me who the fact that you're sitting there on your couch and you're waiting to mint this PFP and you're like sweat, you know, I remember that experience too because my Version of excitement around that that felt similar was for Pool Suite. And that was like me really getting it to a different level. It's a part of that responsibility, but it will change over time. And I think that, you know, you should want more ownership. I would say a progression is, you know, five years ago, a lot of people that were in the space thought it should be hard to have self custody because you should really understand the friction of personal responsibility. And I would say now, no, it should be much easier to use. We should be welcoming more people in. But, you know, you do have to understand there's no take backs right now. So that's why the security is also more important because, to your point, it's very easy to make a website that looks just like the real one. And you have to pay better attention because if you lose all your money, you will not be able to get it back.
0: Absolutely. I really want this episode to be as practical as possible for people who's trying to avoid getting wrecked, as we say. What are some of the most commonly seen hacks or ways people get wrecked at the moment from your experience? And I'm sure you've seen them all.
1: I would say the simplest way to get wrecked is really actually to just have a software wallet. And what I mean by that, if you are newer to the space and you are less familiar with the terminology, is if you just have a software wallet like Metamask or Phantom or Temple and you don't have a hardware wallet like a Ledger, and you know, I say Ledger, but the truth is if I didn't work for Ledger, I'd still say Ledger because it's the only thing that can't be hacked in the world. But basically, it makes it so that your private key, which is your recovery phrase, it's your 24 words is stored somewhere within your operating system. It's never actually held offline. And the truth is, is your operating system is vulnerable. Working here, you learn a lot about security and something that you should bear in mind is anything that you ever copy and paste to put somewhere else, maybe your notes, you should assume that that's public information. Like it's really not hard to get access to that. And so if you have a software wallet and you're going to do a mint, And you don't have clear signing authentication, which means that you're not seeing what you sign on a device. You might be seeing a hash. Basically, you're at a greater risk. And I know that that got a little bit technical, but in practical terms, what that means is that when you're minting something on your browser, so if you're on Chrome or Safari, whatever, a little box is going to pop up if you're using MetaMask, for example, and you're clicking to confirm your signature. Now, these are partners of ours. They're working on trying to increase you know, awareness and security and transparency. But the reality is, is if you've clicked the wrong link, if someone's gotten into your browser. All of these things, you might not be seeing what you sign. So what you think you're signing, you don't know. And then if you have a ledger, what will pop up is it's like that two-factor authenticator. It'll actually have the information of where it's going. And if that doesn't match where it's supposed to, you get a second chance, essentially, to recoup. Because the truth is, in all of these things, we're just mitigating against human error. That's the easiest thing that I see all the time. The second would be what happened to you. Where you see something else, it's a FOMO factor, you're worried you're going to miss a mint, and you click on something, and you don't take a deep breath, you don't verify, you don't look, hey, is the name similar to the handle? That actually almost happened to me on a Doodles drop. I looked and I got tagged in something and I thought, oh, maybe like the Doodles team is like trying to hook us up. Like, what is this? I didn't know about this and is actually a scammer, you know, which makes total sense. And so I didn't click on it, but we're all vulnerable because we don't want to miss out. So that would be the second biggest one. And then the third biggest one is really making sure that you're sent people sometimes have difficulty if they get a hardware wallet, and they used to have a software wallet, like they say you have a MetaMask, you're like, I should get a ledger. If you don't create a new MetaMask account and you connect your ledger so you don't have to make a new seed phrase, you're still living with that old vulnerability. It's like having your black book still out there, but you made a digital one and you feel better about it or something.
0: So we've got a little bit to unpack here. I'm going to, if you don't mind, go back to the first one. So... You introduced really well the idea of having a software wallet. And these are anyone who's kind of not that sure what we're talking about. These are, like you mentioned, for example, MetaMask is the leading Ethereum wallet, and it sits in your browser. Let's say you're using Chrome. It will sit in as an extension. And when you try and buy something like an NFT, for example, it will pop up. Now, that is exactly what happened to me that night I was sharing earlier. I was on a website and I tried to click it and I only had a software wallet. And what you're saying is an added layer of security is having something called a hardware wallet, not a software wallet, a hardware wallet. And that is an external device, looks a little bit like a key fob or one of these USB drives, but it connects in and it's an external piece of hardware security wallet. Now, Ledger, of course, is one of the main brands for that. And I personally use Ledger. That's why I wanted to have Ledger on. I highly recommend them. So... That adds that extra layer of security. And we probably won't go further into that just now, but that's super good. Okay, so the first one is having an external hardware wallet adds that layer of security. Let's just talk about why that adds in an extra layer of security. Is it just the extra thing you need to approve?
1: No, and that's a great question. The reality is, and this is the beginning, the core beginning, is you want to keep your private key, which is those 24 words, off the blockchain. You want to keep them off your hardware. You want to keep them off your browser. Because, you know, if you think about what the iPhone did to the phone, the hardware revolutionized what the phone could do because the internet made it so, right? It needed that. Web3 value cannot be protected by Web2 hardware right now. And so what that means is you need a device that's not connected to the internet, that keeps your private key off the blockchain. And it sounds a little rudimentary right now and it'll progress, but you write your 24 words down. Don't take a photo of them, don't do anything that puts it somewhere online. And that's actually fundamentally most important thing.
0: So I won't copy paste them, put them into my notes file on my Mac, none of that stuff. Or I won't take a photo of it, Why would I not take a photo of it? Would that not be okay?
1: Because your photo folder is pretty vulnerable, unfortunately. I think, you know, especially people that live in the U.S., I would say more than maybe Europeans, are so used to just clicking it all away. Like, we're a very instant gratification, push, push, push culture. And the truth is, hacks and scams are not hard for people to do if you know what you're doing. So unfortunately, those things just, you won't sleep better at night if you take a photo of your private seat.
0: Let's just break that down, because if we take a photo with our iPhone of our private key, what's going to happen is that's going to get saved to iCloud. So now it's in the cloud. We all know that there's been a lot of celebrities, for example, who've had their photos hacked with iCloud. I'm sure there is a bot somewhere that can now go through in iCloud and will scan for words in images and are now looking for 12-word phrases. I'm sure people are doing that right now. And if not, I'm sure they will.
1: A hundred percent. And there's a lot of wallet tracking that's starting to happen. So you want to be as private as you can about things like this, because it'll, to your point, it'll only become more sophisticated.
0: So that's really top tip number one. That's the biggest mistake people make is people only using a software wallet, which is essentially an in-browser wallet like MetaMask. You really, really need and have to have a hardware wallet. And I must just echo that when I'm in the space and you, know, you hear these terrible stories of people getting hacked, most of the time they did not have a Ledger wallet. So that's definitely one way that you can avoid a lot. So that's one strong recommendation to everyone listening. Get a hardware wallet. There's a few brands out there. I personally use Ledger and I definitely recommend it. So the second one you were saying there was similar to my story at the start was seeing a bogus website. And this is what's called phishing, P-H-I-S-I-N-G. I would just really strongly say to everybody, you will not believe the lengths of where the scammers are going these days. Like They create an incredible website, which mimics a real project's website perfectly. And in the case that I gave of Moonbird, it's a very famous NFT project. They created an Instagram account, had all pictures which were of the founders of the project and they even bought i think they had like seventy thousand followers so naturally you look at oh this must be the real thing but it wasn't how does someone protect against that what are some of the things you would suggest if someone's not sure i go oh is this the real site
1: what i would say and i'm happy to also share for your listeners We have a presentation that shows some really specific examples, but projects will have a page on OpenSea or on a different platform where you can purchase the NFT that is usually verified. It lists to a social account that is verified. There's usually a Discord that is verified, which is another place that people get scammed or hacked. And you want to look out for that. You want to say, okay, this site looks like it could be okay, but how do I double check? Basically, in the ecosystem right now, you want to double check. You want to feel like I did it. If there's an important mint coming up, do it before the mint. You know, if you're really worried about FOMO, it's going to take you five minutes to remember to do that. And I also think the buddy system is a really good prevention tool. Like the beauty of the Web3 space right now is that we all have friends that are learning with us. And there's no harm in saying, hey, is this the right link? hey, have you guys tried this? Are you ready? Is this cool? Like, I don't want to mess up here. Because one person who gets hacked or scammed hurts the whole community. So there is a really nice collective prevention towards solving these challenges together.
0: I do that now as well. I, if I'm looking at a website, I will almost like triangulate from multiple sources. And it can sound pedantic, but you really do need to do it. It's the one where you have confidence. And I loved your idea of the buddy system. So if there's someone you trust or a community that you trust asking, is this the real real link? Just actually add on to that as well. Something that, again, I've seen is... Chances are, if you're in this space, you may be in quite a few Discord communities. As an overall, guys, just never accept any direct messages on Discord. They're so well done. I remember early in my journey, I was in a NFT an community and I was having problems minting something and loads of people offered in the DMs to help me. And they were so nice, really nice people having a conversation first and then sending me a link. And they were all scam links. So I would just almost never accept DMs in your Discord. There's a setting in Discord. I'd put a link in the show notes how to disable DMs in Discord.
1: That's a very good call out. And the one other thing I would say to that is as a community member or a member of a community you want to join, I think it's very important to actually ask the people leading that project, even if they haven't revealed themselves, well, how are you planning to keep your community secure? Because you have to put the onus back on the community as well, right? Because a lot of these platforms aren't taking responsibility for the security flaws. And they were were built as Web2 products, so it's not their fault, but I really encourage that as well.
0: Okay, so we've done phishing and we've done (laughs) done the first one, which was around cold storage. There was a third, and it's actually just gone out of my mind,
1: I would say that one thing to be aware of is, I mean, A, we kind of touched on it with everything that you can get on other platforms from hacking and scamming. But I think one thing that's really important is, so Ledger has a trusted display. And that's what I talk about when I talk about clear signing. And the reason for that is because if you can't see what you're signing, if you don't have that ability, then it's impossible to know if you're actually sending to the right place. And there are actually ways, you know, addresses can be quite long, but there are a few things that usually always match up that you can just look out for to make sure that it's being sent to the correct address. Because the thing too is, No one wants to be a security expert. No one actually wants to have to spend so much time on this. And, you know, we don't want that either for people, but it's just the reality of right now. So there's shortcuts that we can kind of provide afterwards. But just the biggest thing would be really keep your private key off of the blockchain and your hardware device.
0: One question I typically get when it comes to security or do I need a hardware wallet is... I remember speaking to a friend recently and they were like, oh, listen, Coinbase is so secure. I trust Coinbase having all my money in. This is now a centralized exchange, moving away from something like a wallet. I would prefer to have all my money in something like Coinbase. And I do remember this exact person even showing me that they had all their passwords stored on their phone. But anyway, that's a different story. But uh, what's your thoughts on that? If you're speaking to someone and someone said, well, actually, you know what? I trust a centralized exchange like Coinbase more than myself, keeping it in a ledger. What would you say to that?
1: A huge part of our messaging actually is the notion of trusting yourself, right? Like you should trust yourself because we've got your back. If you're a Coinbase user or you're interested in an exchange to your point that is centralized, you just made a new bank account and good for you. If that's something that you feel more comfortable with, you're probably okay for now. We know on the back end that some of these exchanges don't always have the best protocols in place to protect for you. And I actually think the bigger question would be, do you want to have full access over your funds? If you want to move something and our system is down or something's up, but it might go down and you can't get access, you don't actually own that money, right? Like a bank actually makes it so that they're holding for you, they're trading it, they're using it, and then you get access to certain things sometimes. And there might be limits imposed, etc. That's the same thing with a custodied exchange like Coinbase and others. And long-term, that's just not a Web3 tool. It'll help onboard a lot of people, but it's not a Web3 tool. And I do think it's also easier to start with a hardware wallet where you don't feel like you have to go backwards. But you know, for some people, that's better for them. And it's not our job to convince people why they should be charted on a new path just yet. There's enough people out there who are excited within this space that we just want to keep secure. And then as adoption gets easier, we know that they will come to us over time if we continue to make an amazing product that protects them.
0: That's a really good point. And what I would say, I'll just add on to that to people who may be keeping their money in a centralized exchange like Coinbase. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that had money in a centralized exchange like Celsius not so long ago, and they found it hard to get money out of that, unfortunately. Whereas that would not be the case with your ledger.
1: I think it's really important. Like, this is the difference between their security, which we touched on before, and then their self custody. And most people don't understand with things like Voyager and Celsius and others, or even what's going on for some things with Coinbase, that they don't actually control their coins. And there's a saying in Web3, not your keys, not your coins. People haven't always made that discernment, to your exact point.
0: Yes, exactly. Up until this point, we've been talking about some potential ways you can get wrecked, some of the things you need to know about. And some people might be listening to this and going, hey, this is, you freak me out. This is scary. It sounds like the Wild West. That's been a little bit intentional because I think it's really important that people take this seriously. To the point, my story that I gave right at the start, like that was the wake up call for me. It was like, right, I can't mess around with this stuff. So if you're in this world or curious about it, please do take this stuff seriously. But now to flip it and what you were saying about empowering people to be self-sovereign, once you learn how to use your ledger and have your own hardware, it's actually so empowering. You have full control over everything. And I would just really strongly recommend to everyone, if you are interested in getting involved in Web3 and really learning about decentralized and being able to have full self-sovereignty I really recommend everyone look at it because it is very empowering. Okay, so we've talked about some of the most common mistakes. Do you mind if we maybe move things up a gear to talk about things about if you wanted to be a bit more advanced or bring things to the next level of security? Let's say now you're not a beginner and you have a bit of a collection that you really would not want to be gone by clicking on the wrong button. What are some of the ways, if you really wanted to be very watertight, what are some of the things? That one or two things I might just lead with are, I've heard some people have the, as separate computers just for transacting with, and then some people have multiple ledgers. Would you mind us if we kind of talked about one of those two things?
1: Absolutely. So I'll start actually with the second one minting happens at many different times of day, hours, people travel, they bring their ledgers with them now. That's what we encourage. And sometimes we get questions of, well, what happens if someone came up to me and said, give me your hardware wallet right now? Our response is, give it to them. It's the same thing as someone asking for your physical wallet on the street. And there's actually an advanced setting on a ledger device where you can create a fake pin code. It shows a small, very small amount on your device. And so you can enable that so that if you put that PIN code in, because if someone said, let me have it, let me have your PIN code, you could do that so that you're still protecting your funds. So there's one thing like that to be aware of.
0: Do you mind me asking, just sorry to interrupt, has that actually ever happened? Have people been held up to get their Ledger devices? I've never heard of it.
1: I've never heard of that happening. I believe that for individuals who have that much wealth or have amassed a collection where they're that concerned, they're probably thinking about things like that generally. I would say if you want to be extra cautious, you could take your seed phrase and you could split it up into two or three cards and places. So don't keep it in your house. Don't make it so that your partner or family members know what it is so that they are vulnerable to it. Definitely, we know folks that have a separate computer and all they use that computer for is for minting or for managing their ledger and they have Ledger Live on that. There's kind of varying degrees.
0: I've heard some people do that. And I must say, I am intending to move to that. The reason of having the separate computer is... In your day-to-day world, you never know what websites you're on. Like, I'm a football fan. Sometimes I'm on a website trying to watch a live stream, and you don't know what's coming onto your browser. And that then, when you're opening up your wallets, and it has potentially quite a lot of money in this wallet, you know, you just don't want those things to be connected.
1: Right, right. Part of the onboarding here is actually you learn about certain security risks because you don't want to bring them on the business. And truly, even a calendar invite, you know, people throw calendar invites on our calendar all the time, and there could be phishing within that, and you don't even know when someone's in your system. I kind of have a policy personally with Twitter direct messages where if someone sends me a PDF, like a deck to look at or something like that, I'll just say, listen, I have a no-click policy." Can you send me a different version of this? Or is there a way to send me a couple of screenshots so that I know that this is you type of a thing? And it's just an extra second, you know?
0: That's an interesting point because I have heard, and I know we're getting a little specific on some vulnerabilities here, but I think these are things people need to know that PDFs do have the ability to have malicious code in them. I've heard stories of quite high profile people being emailed a document I think that's how Axie Infinity, if you heard Axie Infinity, had a big hack recently. And that was via a very well thought out hack where one of their developers was applying for a job interview or something, and they were sent a PDF from the employers, which was all staged. And naturally, the developer opened the document because they thought it was from a trusted source. But really, it was all a setup and there was malicious code in there.
1: That just goes to that point where it's all human error. We're just human beings doing our best, so you have to take the steps that you can to also do your best and not feel bad about it. I always tell people, pretend like you're in a heist film. Like, make it fun, you know? And if you can do that for yourself, then at least it doesn't feel like, oh, I gotta be more secure. You know, it's like, no, like, make it fun, make it enjoyable, make it part of your identity. And then you get used to it and it's not so bad.
0: On that point of up-leveling your security, if someone had multiple ledger wallets i've heard some people having a uh, extra extra cold wallet that never touches the internet ever and then one that they move things to if sometimes a ledger needs to be interacting then they have metamask wallets what's called a hot wallet is there any examples because i'll just give again a personal story I now have maybe about three or four ledger wallets. I actively use one being in various projects. I've been gifted multiple ledger wallets. Some people have some smart ways they use multiple ledger wallets. Do you have a best practice on that?
1: Here's what I would say. We know many use cases now for multiple, including that some people actually, now that we've done collabs like Adam Bob Squad and VFriends, love to also just collect them. You can have multiple ledgers attached to one seed phrase. That is also just nice because you have a backup and we always kind of recommend having a backup. It's just helpful. And if you lose one, don't even worry about it. Honestly, it's fine. That's the point. We always say, if you find a hardware wallet on the street, bring it to us, especially if it's not a ledger, because then it's no problem. Our dungeon team, which is the best white hack hackers in the world, will figure it out. But some people do like to set up different wallets for different amounts or to your exact point, we have people on the team who, have a ledger for the bulk of their assets, and then they have one that you know they wear around their neck. It's a much smaller bag. It's so that they can do quick mints. Then they move that NFT to a different account. It's more secure and it has less, I would say the advantage is it has less inherent vulnerabilities. But really, to be honest, if you're using your ledger and you are taking a second to double check and et cetera, it's very rare that you hear people being hacked and scammed from a ledger.
0: That is true. I'd love to shift gears a little bit. We've been talking security, and that's been so important. But Ledger released something about a month or two ago now that was really exciting. A lot of people created a lot of buzz in the market. And this was something called the Ledger Market. Could you tell us a little bit, if someone is listening and they weren't sure what the Ledger Market was, what is the Ledger Market?
1: So Ledger Market is the world's first NFT distribution platform that is secure. We've done the world's first secure mint. And the reason why we created it is because by working with many NFT communities and brands and businesses, we've realized that there's two things. One, users wanna be more secure when they mint, and they wanna know that they're doing it through places that care about them. And large communities and brands that come in and are bringing huge volumes of ETH into the space just ETH as an example, want to give their users a more secure way to do that. And so Ledger Market was created because basically we do allow for others, but we encourage you to use your ledger when you're actually minting. And so therefore you connect, you connect directly to Ledger Live, you therefore do clear signing when you mint And also, you know, we have the Ledger Genesis Pass, which to your point, we had 10,000 sell out in less than 24 hours, which we were very excited about. It comes with a custom Black on Black Nano, which will be released soon. And then we have our first drop actually happening today, which is Brick. That's very exciting. It's really huge for us. And then, you know, more coming, there'll be about one every month. And we're a very URL Bridges IRL business. And so the projects that we work with will absolutely represent that as well.
0: So the platform itself, well, that essentially is an alternative for someone building their own project, building their own website and minting. Most of the time, an NFT project, for example, will build their own website and you have to go to the website. Naturally, you're questioning, is this a legit website? Do they have good security, et cetera? Whereas the great thing about Ledger, It's probably one of the most trusted brands in the space. If you go onto the Ledger website, you're trusting it. And you would mint directly from the Ledger marketplace. That's correct, is it?
1: Correct. Yeah, exactly. You do your first sale there for the brand and the site is built within the market website. We do co we do pre mint for the allow list and we work with them on that. And then there's typically also a custom Hardware device with each project. And I will say to your exact point, we have to go through all of these pieces of, okay, if you're doing secondary and you have Ledger Market, let's make sure we have the verified page and all of these pieces. But we really remove some elements of vulnerability there. And our chief information security officer, you know, his team spends so much time literally making sure we have as many market domains or checking for brand protection against potential other scams. And we have an entire ecosystem built globally with police around reporting these issues. And every partner that we work with essentially gets that security force behind them, which I think is very comforting for a lot of projects that don't want to go through this with their communities.
0: And you mentioned there was a, you wouldn't call it a PFP, but what is the word for the? Access Pass.
1: Genesis Pass.
0: Genesis Pass, yes. And I picked up two Genesis Passes when they went for a sale. I was very excited. They sold out within a day. Now they can be picked up on a secondary like OpenSea. If someone bought one of these, what extra benefits does the Genesis Pass give a holder?
1: A few. So a Genesis Pass holder... First of all, we already dropped a PO up for those who had it at a certain time right after the mint, and that will have rewards later on. You get a custom black-on-black Nano, and that'll be redeemable, we hope, in the next month or so to ship, which will be really cool. And we're starting to do more of these advanced customizations.
0: So that is a hardware wallet. The Nano is the latest version of the Ledger hardware wallet.
1: Yes, thank you. Yeah, the Nano X. and. In addition to that we also will have drops so ledger genesis holders have first access to drops and we also have an artist in residency program that we haven't unveiled yet but those artists will be doing drops on ledger market as well and they will be providing different and more accessible access for really bespoke things that we hope aren't just things that people would want to snag and flip but more like actual collection building over time and we're really excited about that piece as well. So the thing that's interesting too is we see it in addition as some people just, this is the closest thing you can get to a ledger coin. And we want to always be providing value for holders. So, you know, we release physical products. Maybe there'll be early access to holders to those products. Maybe there will be certain custom versions that only they get. There are things that we're exploring that we really hope continues to provide them value and we found the response very humbling honestly we were founded as a team because as you know the market's been down right so we had what we thought were realistic expectations and when the response was so loud so fast we were like okay let's do this so today
0: is the first drop it's a project called brick do you want to tell us a little bit about that project and do you have any plans for the, what might be some of the projects that are coming out in the future
1: so Brick is amazing. They're creating a space in LA. And this is an interesting one, as our first drop, because some people were a little surprised that we picked something that actually had a physical element in a city that everyone might not have access to. And as a global brand, it's really important that some of the projects we work on actually do have geographical ties in different places. But for URL and IRL benefits will be certain access to events. There are real cultural leaders who have created bricks part of Babylon, and we're very excited for that one to come out. For others, when we announced market, we did announce deadfellas, we announced tag, we announced artifact. With Nike. And so those are, you know, Jen Stark. And these are really great creators, communities, projects. We always want to have that type of mix. And those are some of the first other drops that you can be expecting in the coming months.
0: Very excited about that. I'd love to just shift gears a little bit and ask about you personally, as a web three leader and someone who's been in this space and really pushing the boundaries. How do you keep on top of everything from a point of view of new news? Is there any, for example, certain podcasts you listen to or books you find were very useful when you were learning or maybe email newsletters? Any uh, tools that you find useful?
1: First of all, I never actually fully feel like I'm on top of everything because it changes so quickly. But I love Chris Cantino and Jamie um, for CPG, Club CPG. I'm a Genesis member and I'm also a pop holder. And that was really school for me a lot, honestly. Andrew Steinhel has another group that I'm a part of. I'm really lucky to be able to reach out to friends like Keith at Time and others where I'll be like, what do you think about this? What's going on? And we're constantly kind of prompting each other you know, Sam at Coindesk. And it's been really helpful for me because I feel like I'm in these trusted spaces where I can say, well, I find this piece interesting, but I'm struggling to actually get excited about X, right? And I would say on the podcast side, I mean, I'm really glad that this podcast now exists as well. I do really like Bankless. I think it's super helpful. I'm also always pushing myself to understand communities that I'm not in every single day. So I love Dan Held. I love Peter McCormack's What Bitcoin Did because I'm not as much of a Bitcoin person, but I really appreciate understanding more about that perspective. And Ledger is very platform agnostic in terms of the chain. So it's important for me in the role that I have to continue to push myself. And then I would say mirror fan, but I would always say go into spaces that make you feel less comfortable and challenge them. And I'm a BFF founding member, and my BFF has done so much work around educating community members. They have a newsletter that they just launched recently. So there's always good new ways to continue to educate yourself.
0: Thank you for sharing. There was one project after CPG Pop, you mentioned one from Andrew.
1: Yeah, I would just say, take the friends that you're friends with and start a group chat with them and use that group chat as a safe space to throw links, to ask questions, just continue to be a curious person.
0: That's a great idea. And You mentioned one or two projects that you're involved with, My BFF, Genesis Pop, I'll link these all up in the show notes. Is there any other projects that you enjoy collecting or you're very excited about personally?
1: Yes, absolutely. World of Women, Boss Beauties, I Love Women Rise, I Love BFF, as was said. I also am a huge Deadfellas fan. I think that Betty, Horde mother, is incredible, Bob Squad. I really appreciate communities that hold up culture and tech at the same time. I think that G Money's drop recently was super smart. For people who don't know, he dropped an NFT that you could get and that question is you can either keep the NFT or you can redeem clothing for it. And I love this. I think it's a beautiful prompt of IRL meets URL and innovation around fashion and luxury that we're not seeing from other projects. And so I'm curious about, A, projects that I believe in their mission and values. Am I curious long-term about their roadmap? Do I think that they are challenging the space in a way that makes me excited? And how are they also thinking about a global approach? Because I want to meet people that... There was a recent Gen Z study that came out that I thought was so interesting and makes sense that young people today have much more likeness with their age than the location that they grew up in, which, you know, might not be the case for previous generation. And I want my NFT communities to reflect that as well.
0: Did you pick up one of the G-Money fashion drops?
1: No, I tried and I missed it. And I'm so annoyed about it. Did you?
0: Yeah, I picked one up. I thought the dynamics was really interesting and then having to choose what size. So, uh, you know, as you're explaining, it's linked to a T-shirt that you get as well as the NFT. And then it was really interesting trying to choose which one of the sizes you choose, the size that you're going to wear if it's a T-shirt. Or there was some images you kind of think are going to have lower supply, less people are going to buy. And then probably the NFT will be worth more money in the future because it was done by a very famous photographer in the space called Justin Aversano. It was interesting. Yeah, I thought he did it really well.
1: I will also say Bright Moments, sticker on my bottle. We're a big Bright Moments partner. They do live minting in different cities around the world. Their next one's Mexico City in November. And I really encourage folks to check them out.
0: I minted my London Bright Moments and I got myself a London
1: Ledger. There you go. Yeah.
0: It's a super cool experience. We really recommend it. And yeah, the next one is in Mexico. Would love to get down to it if I can. So as I moved the conversation towards a close, because I want to be respectful to your time. One question I love to ask everyone is in this world of Web3, which is always on super fast pace It can be a challenge to keep on top of your mental health, I find, because I know I have this very good routine and then it can easily get eroded by going, oh, you know, it's a Sunday, normally I'm digital detox, but that drop might be happening and I don't want to miss out. Do you have any routines or habits that you find helps you keep your mental health in good check in this wonderful world of Web3?
1: It's a great question and I think it's super important. I definitely had a period where I would go to sleep and wake up reading Telegram text messages and being like, ah, especially on a Euro time zone, like what did I miss?
0: Definitely.
1: And it's not sustainable to your point. I use Calm, I'm a meditation fan. I'm a, also a fan of strength training for the point of deep breathing. I find if I'm remembering to breathe then I'm gonna probably be okay.
0: Is that with some weights in a gym, for example?
1: Yeah, Joe Holder has a great program. He's a friend of mine, but he has a great program in the Nike app that I wholeheartedly recommend. Then I would say, honestly, you got to embrace a little Jomo. What's Jomo? You got to have joy of missing out. You got to decide, okay, there's a couple of mints maybe I really care about. I'm going to be really aware of that. And if I put the phone down and I'm present, I'm going to bring something back that will be just as interesting and I'm living my life and that's just as interesting, you know, just, we were talking about vacation before this and, you know, I sort of looked, but not really. And, and I think that's healthy. We have people on the team where you go on a trip and you intentionally don't bring your ledger and that's your detox because you can't complete a transaction without it. And then it's liberating. So you just have to check in with yourself.
0: Jomo, joy of missing out. I love that. I think we all need a bit of that for sure. Final question before we wrap. One thing I I love to ask as well is, when we look forward maybe three to five years, everything changes so much in a week in this world, let alone three to five years. Where do you see the future of the metaverse in about three years' time?
1: Three years' time, I believe we'll have hardware advances that move towards securing all of your digital life and that people will start to see it more from that capacity. I believe that it will not feel unusual to pay for something with a token or a credit versus feeling like it has to be directed to a currency. I think that relationship will become more nascent.
0: Could you give an example of what's in your mind around that?
1: Well, I just think even, you know, today it's like if you got given a gift card and you're redeeming that gift card on your phone, it would feel comfortable to you that an amount that was in that mobile app is being depleted, right? Whereas I think now, if you said pay with crypto, people are like, what? That's crazy and regulation and blah, blah. It's just, it's really all language. And so I think that there will be more ability for adoption. And that's really what I hope for. And I'm very excited to see some of these advances. I think what will be most interesting in three years is what other chains are still most dominant. And what I really find exciting about Web3 and the metaverse is that it's global. So I'd love to see some metaverse schools where kids are meeting up from around the world for after school playtime. And then they go and they do things that are real in real life, but then they come on board and they're, you know, pen pals aren't sister cities just in the US, but maybe they're sister cities around the world. And that relationship is through the metaverse. And to me, the metaverse is just, as we said at the beginning, the value of this time online, this type of conversation. So I just hope it's more understanding of that.
0: I love everything you're saying, particularly around the education piece, something I'm very passionate about as well. Education can be a bit elitist in some countries and it really gives us an opportunity to level the playing field you know there's no reason why a kid from new york and a kid from say somalia couldn't be learning together in the metaverse in a few years what a great future ahead
1: i could see it it wouldn't surprise me so i agree
0: Ariel, thank you so much for all your wisdom. This is going to be one of the episodes I will keep referring friends to over the months and years. Anyone who's onboarding, I think this is essential listening. So thank you for your time. If people wanted to check you out or also check out what's happening with Ledger online, could you maybe let us know what are some of the best places to find you or Ledger? And we'll link all those up to the show notes as well.
1: If you're curious to learn more, I would recommend Ledger's Academy, which is our educational platform. And that's just ledger.com slash academy. And we're just at Ledger on social handles. For me, it's just at A. Wengroff. It's just my last name um, on all platforms. And I'm usually preaching the Ledger gospel, but also some other fun things. So I'm around.
0: Thanks again so much. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure. So I appreciate it.
0: All right, that's it for this episode. want to thank you for listening. If you want to get the links and the show notes, just head on over to our website, Frontierofthemetiverse.com. And if you like this episode, please do share it with anyone you know interested in all things metaverse. And of course, you can subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Would be very much appreciated. All right,
1: I'll see you in the next episode.